1: John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy. <laughs> right. What a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. I <laughs> <laughs> what, what a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait,
0: wait. Chase, something is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. <laughs> I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great.
1: You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work. But it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. First, on Chicago. Here we John Zaglund, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. The author, quarterback stands, and the senior editor of spent USA. Please welcome Teddy Greenstein to the program. Teddy, it's great to have you on. How are you?
0: John Z, I'm great. This is, uh, I'd say, at least my fourth time on. So I think that's a good sign that you keep <laughs> inviting me back. Always new uh, ground to cover and always love chatting with you.
1: What do you make of the Bears-Giants game first off? We'll start there.
0: Yeah, I think I've managed to pick every Bears game wrong. So let's start with that very (laughs) impressive work. You know, the Bears were getting three points uh, at MetLife Stadium. And um, this was kind of interesting. John, you know, we get information, we we call them insights in terms of where the money is, who's betting on who. And uh, the sharp money, the massive money that game was on the Bears. It was like 80 plus percent of the money was on Chicago. So as I told people, I'm like, if you bet the Bears today and you're wrong, don't feel bad. Everybody is with you. Uh, I did hit the under in that game. So that was certainly nice. But, you know, just from a game perspective, it was it was frustrating because it's one of those games you can win. And and uh, the offense looked pretty good in the first half. And then there was just kind of a shutdown mode and a bunch of mistakes. And and then you look at the end of it and you're still just kind of amazed. This is an NFL team given how little passing game this offense produces.
1: How do you evaluate Justin Fields' performance?
0: You know, it's up and down. It's hit and miss. I think we all we all love him because, like, he's athletic and he's tough. I mean, I keep thinking he's he's taking these shots and he's going to end up down, like, two or somebody, and he seems to bounce right up. So I think he's resilient. He's he, He's got that toughness and maybe just that body type that allows him to come back you know, you just like his offensive line to be better now against the giants. That was a, a, a blitz heavy team. So you understand they are going to be some sacks, but you know, just in looking at some numbers that I don't know if you saw that Dan Pompei tweet, or maybe you already know it, but you know, we're talking about a, a sack rate of 19.3%, which is one of the absolute highest of this century. It's like up there with David Carr, a couple years, years um, and 34 completions, 67 attempts lowest for any four game starter this century. So, I mean, I, I still feel like once he gets a good offensive line around him and some better skill guys, uh, Justin Fields is gonna be a top fifteen quarterback.
1: I mean, he did hit the yards prop last week, albeit it was pretty low. One of the lowest ever, right? Is that what it was?
0: Had to be. I, I mean, I remember for the for the Packers <laughs> game it was two hundred. Okay. Then for the week after that it was one seventy for his passing <laughs> yards total. And then I saw last week it was one forty five, and I'm like wait a second, is this like the Army-Navy game? Like, is this Air Force or something? Is this an NFL quarterback? You know, you just never see them that low. Like Daniel Jones in that Giants game was um, like 195, I want to say. So, I mean, usually the lowest you see, um, you know, Cooper Rush has been a little higher than that. Um, Who was the Patriots starter who got knocked out? Who was 0-11 going into that game? Uh, the former Michigan State quarterback. Help me out here, John. Who was the Patriots starter on Sunday? He got knocked out after a few plays. Okay, we're going to look it up. His was only about 180. But again, that's usually the lowest you ever see a quarterback total. So when they're that low, it it certainly tells you something about that Bears offense.
1: Now, you did say that if there is an offensive line, Justin Fields will be a top 15 quarterback. You stand by that statement. Why are you confident in that?
0: By the way, Brian Hoyer Brian is Boyer. the forgettable okay. name that, uh, <laughs> that I, could not, that I could, could not come up with. Um, I think he's got every tool. I think he's uh, athletic. He's got a strong arm. He's intelligent. I think he works at it. I think he's a good leader. Um, yeah, I just think it, there's simply no reason why he can't be a very successful NFL quarterback. Now, other guys have had every tool and then they've fallen off, you know, I mean, that RG3. I mean, there are just so many guys who've who've had like quick bursts of success um, and then have not been able to maintain it. But with Justin Fields, I, I don't see any obvious flaws as long as he's going to keep working at it and keep studying and, you know, figure out. I've only got two seconds back there. What should I be doing? i got to be aware of the pass rush, you know, even on my blind side um, and make the right decisions because certain times – You're seeing well. He probably could have, you know, checked down and made a five-yard completion, and instead he's taken a sack.
1: Now you covered Justin Fields when he was at Ohio State back when you were still with the Tribune. So what have you seen in the NFL? Has it compared to what he's done at Ohio State? How how do you reconcile both those things?
0: Yeah, I mean at Ohio State, you know, usually maybe nine of the thirteen games you you see wide open receivers. You know, there's just such an advantage uh, athletically of their receivers versus the DBs. Uh, in the non-conference games and even against some Big Ten teams, that where you just see guys wide open and it's easy. And of course, in the NFL, the windows are just dime-sized, and you got to be able to decide quickly and move and, and just you know hit guys in this tiny little window, uh, smaller than a you know smaller than an open tire. So that's the difference. A lot of guys can do it in college; uh, they're well protected and they have uh, they got the guys to get open and the Bears don't protect him well, and there's not a ton of separation. But it's early, and um, there are very few quarterbacks. You know, there are very few Justin Herberts who seemingly step on the field, and as soon as they start, their light's out.
1: Where do you stand on this weekend's game? Bears, according to some, are plus 7.5 against the Vikings.
0: Yeah, our line is 7, and and it's balanced on each side. Uh, so for for people who know a little bit more about betting – we offer minus 107 on each side of points bet, which essentially means our line is uh our, our price is like three percent more favorable than the other guys. So if you're betting a big amount, it's really good. So I see it at seven, and, and I don't think it goes to higher than seven. I mean, the Vikings were so impressive in week one, but have really retreated since then. Obviously, barely beat the Saints. And the Bears are certainly plucky. I mean, you know, if Justin Fields reaches over the line in Green Bay. That turns out to be a close game, so it's not like these guys, even in their losses, are getting anything blown out. Not even close to that.
1: How about on prop bets? Any Bears or Vikings players you're really looking at closely?
0: Not just yet. The pro, we'll, we'll place the props. We'll we'll, uh, we'll price those up and get those up probably tomorrow. Um, certainly, uh, certainly by Friday when people are in real betting mode. But I think Justin Fields now is probably in that 165 uh passing yard total, Khalil Herbert's probably, you know, 70, 75 yards, something like that. Uh, I don't know if David Montgomery's been ruled out. So the Bears are are certainly not going to be a team where you look at and say, okay, um, you know, a lot of receivers who are, you know, totals of 95, like Cooper Cup usually goes into the game with, with an over-under of 95. And he seems to go over every single game. <laughs> it's not going to be like that for the Bears, but if they can if they can grind out some wins and you know, keep Justin Fields healthy and, and on the um, upswing, then it's going to be a fairly successful season.
1: Teddy Greenstein here on Sports Talk Chicago. Teddy, how disappointing was the White Sox season? Let's shift there, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely dismal. I mean, they had the opportunity to, to seize the city. Um, you know, everybody knew the Cubs weren't really going to be good. And uh, the Blackhawks were awful and the Bulls were disappointing. So, you know, just in the spring, it's like you guys have every chance in the world. And just a combination of, bad health and Tony LaRusso asleep at the wheel at times and guys like (laughs) Johan Moncada just completely falling off the map. It was, uh, it was just abject failure. Um, They know it. You know, there's really only been one season of late where I feel like the White Sox overachieved. And that was of course last year. And even last year after a nice 93 win season, there was absolutely nothing in the playoffs um, other than good atmosphere on the South side for the game. So just uh, disappointing. There's a spot here for him, and now we have to rely on the Bulls to uh, to make us happy as uh, these cold winter months are approaching, John.
1: Is Tony La Russa leaving going to be the big answer for the White Sox next year?
0: No, because as we know with baseball managers, like there's a reason most of them are paid so little relative to other sports and relative to the players. A good or bad manager – probably only matters for about four victories or four losses. I'm sure fans think it's more than that. Um, But it just seems to be, you know, there's only so much Tony can do about the quality of hitting. Like, you know, there's just a power outage on the, on the South side this year. And I don't know what he can do about that. Hitting coaches uh, can't do much about it. It, it. It's a helpless feeling because you want to blame somebody, right. And we can't, you know, we can't put ourselves in the shoes of Joan Moncada and, and say, be better. So we put ourselves in the shoes of Tony La Russa because we could all theoretically manage the team. We can't hit a, you know, 94 <laughs> mile an hour slider. Um, but I, look, managers set the tone. But even a guy like Joe Madden, who for a long time we all viewed as an absolute genius, you know, a 100 out of 100 in terms of intangibles, whether it's dealing with the players and motivating them or handling the press. Even he, you know, has seen only limited success in his final couple of years with the Cubs and then with the Angels. So um, managers in baseball, the truth of it is just have a minimal impact on wins and losses.
1: I've seen rumors that Madden may come to the south side to manage. Are you hearing those or who else do you think could be in consideration?
0: I mean, selfishly, I would love that. I mean, it's not like I cover the team anymore. I'm at points bet and I'm just (laughs) sort of an observer and I'm taking clients to games and entertaining them. But. Joe Madden when I was doing the Cubs and you know I would be sort of the second guy or the third guy or the columnist uh, of all the great guys I, I dealt with in you know 24 plus years I mean he was in that top top collection where he's just not only a, a great person but a hundred percent to deal with and always explain stuff well and you know I'd be in press conferences where, somebody would be asking basically the same question for a third straight day and I'd be rolling my eyes and yet he would give a great answer. And I'd be like, wow, this guy's much more patient than I am. So, and I think he's probably kind of young at heart. So even if he technically is an older guy, um, I think he he could certainly still do it. Uh, I'd be curious about Miguel Cairo. Uh, He seemed to, you know, breathe some life into the socks, but I mean, for me, AJ Brzezinski would be incredibly exciting and, uh, would get his guy's attention. And as we know, John, in professional sports or even in college sports, you always go with the opposite, right? So in college sports, if you had the you know the young fiery guy and he doesn't work out, then you go for the veteran guy who's going to treat us like men. And with Tony La Russa, if you had the guy who you were worried was, you know, just kind of snoozing through some of this stuff and maybe not well in touch with the players, uh, then you bring in the young guy who's going to have him fired up. So AJ would certainly be that. Uh, one of the brainiest, most interesting, controversial players during his stretch, and uh, you know the team would hopefully reflect him and be super scrappy at the least.
1: Teddy Greenstein still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Teddy, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, quarterback dance, how's it been going?
0: John, it's been going great. Uh, We've sold a few less than a million copies, so there are still some available on Amazon.com. And if anybody wants me to sign them, just reach out on Twitter at Teddy Greenstein or maybe they want to buy this lovely gear. Um, but it's been very satisfying. A lot of dads have reached out and they've said, oof, I didn't realize that I was, you know, the stat hungry dad or the wee dad who's always saying like, oh, yeah, we're looking at this school. We're looking at that school. So I was able to diagnose that we have, you know, 12 types of quote unquote bad quarterback dads and five good ones. And we want more people to shift from the bad to the good. So people have come out and they said, OK, now I realize I need to slow down a little bit. Don't be so obsessed with stats. Don't be you know, harassing the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Don't be going on message boards, all the things you should not be doing as a quarterback dad. And what's cool is it applies to other sports. So if you have a kid who plays lacrosse or swims or like my kids who play soccer or volleyball, I think you're going to learn some stuff here.
1: What's made this book so rewarding for you?
0: the thing, like I, when parents come up or DM me and they say, OK, I was the guy who, you know, was taking video of every workout or I was the guy who was in, you know, the ear of the offensive coordinator or, you know, another thing you never want to do. Don't don't wish bad upon, you know, the kid who's the first stringer above yours. That's just it's just bad karma. It's going to come back to bite <laughs> you. So when I hear from dads and a couple moms who say, all right, I didn't realize, you know, this book is in part about me. And now I'm going to improve and hopefully forge a better relationship with my kid. That's certainly the the best part. And then one other thing, there's a hope here that we can actually turn it into something that ends up uh, streaming. So maybe, uh, maybe a documentary, maybe a series. I mean, we've seen stuff like QB1 and Friday Night Lights. So there's an insatiable appetite there for football. And I think this is an exciting one, too, because you're adding not only football, but sort of crazy quarterback dads. And Guys like me who have kids who play youth sports, I think we can all relate to that.
1: I was going to ask you, I mean, could we see a sequel like baseball dance or basketball dance? but a streaming idea sounds really good too.
0: That would be fun. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, John, I was with uh, Donovan Dooley. He's the, he's the quarterback trainer who I worked with on the book, and he showed me his phone and his phone said, hey, you need to talk to the coach because my kid needs to get more stats. And Donovan turns to me and says, that was from my mom. So if there's (laughs) going to be a sequel, I think it's going to be called football moms because uh, look, quarterback dads are often the ones who are helping to steer the kid to one school or the other. They're the ones who are hiring and firing the trainers. And, you know, overly involved sometimes on social media, but the moms are emerging now as well in this era of NIL, everybody wants to get a return on their investment. They're spending a lot of money for training. And when that kid graduates from high school, they want that kid to be uh, signing up with some companies to make some money.
1: Teddy, before we finish off today, last question. How do you do at the Writer's Cup?
0: Yeah, the Writer's Cup, as as we call it. Thanks for asking. So, obviously, uh, uh, we use the same format as the Ryder Cup. Okay. Um, which is slightly more famous, I think, that event. Um, it is <laughs> nine holes of best ball, nine holes of alternate shot, and then singles. Illinois rallied, and we had a nice victory over Team Wisconsin. It was a really cool course called Abbey Springs up at Lake Geneva. Highly recommended. Nice public course up there for anybody who goes there in the summer. And um, I did okay. I actually teamed with Eric Ciotti, who's a former Northwestern golfer, uh, for the first match. I mean, this is a guy who was a teammate of Luke Donald. So if I can't win with him, there's really something wrong. We ended up tying our match because a kid on Team Wisconsin birdied the final two holes. Dan Roan was my partner for alternate shot. We were all square going into the last hole, and Team Wisconsin beat us there. And then on singles, I was able to tie my match when my Wisconsin opponent missed a five-foot putt, to which I thanked him profusely and said, "You just made my ride home so much better." <laughs> so it was a great event. Um, you know, we all get to. It's fun to compete in golf when every stroke matters, and you can't fluff, fluff up your lies. You have to really play it straight. And uh, we had a beautiful day up in Wisconsin on Monday. So uh, Team Illinois, woo-woo, we, we, we got it done this year.
1: Well, Teddy, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes over at Points Band and with quarterback Dan. And looking forward to the next time we chat as well.
0: As I say every time I do this, you ask fantastic questions, always well-researched, and I appreciate it tremendously. Love your podcast and uh, hope to do it again soon.
1: I talked there with Teddy Greenstein. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Teddy Greenstein himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalb, and Tomorrow Entertainment. Making this show a success, remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Z Cluel. Want to watch more of this show, head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes over tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone.
0: No! No! where are the
1: turtles!